My time is yours. I was the last My man standing. I am the man, and the man feels no pressure. You are facing a fuel-injected suicide machine. Fear from the man that rules the world. Welcome to the Vicious Circle. I'm Rob. The next couple episodes I apologize for. The quality is not ideal, not what I like, but uh, it was due to scheduling and things, so we had to do some phone interviews. But as an added bonus, we were able to get Barry Norman to come back and sit in on a couple, so uh, we hope you enjoy the next few episodes. My time is yours. And welcome back to the Vicious Circle. Uh, another fun episode today. I know I can't wait because we've been chatting. I got Sid here with me, of course, and Barry Norman's back. How are you guys today? Really? Okay, I'm not first. Rob, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing Everybody great. Everybody just hold on and let me do it. <laughs> okay. Are you scared to talk to Rob, Barry? <laughs> I did, and I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. That's awesome. Uh, you can no, kind of tell. We were talking earlier, and I really like hearing more about your film festival there in Chatham. The, oh, the one we have coming up. Um, yeah, it's actually yeah. October 26th, so it's the Saturday. Um, actually, people here in this are going to hear it but probably a couple weeks afterwards, but we are doing it again next year, so they may miss it now, but they'll get it next year. And uh, we have film from all over the world coming. It's from uh, Russia, from Turkey, from Iran, from uh, India, South Africa, England, and uh, USA and Canada. So we have them from everywhere. It's well, that's why I wanted to... So uh, you say you had 60 films? Yeah, we had roughly 60 submissions, and we ended up that we're screening 21 short films and four feature films. That, that's amazing. you got so many uh, representation all over the world, your first special, and, and that, that type of film. That, that's unbelievable. It was really good. Now, the one really cool fact is I didn't understand. I, I guess Iran is in a financial... Uh, black hole. Their uh, their pieces of finance, like credit cards and stuff, do not work outside of the country, and ours do not work inside the country. So I had a filmmaker. That's contact the sanction. Yeah, that's yeah. I didn't realize that. So I had a filmmaker contact me and said that it costs more to get a black market credit card in that country than it does to make the film. Wow. Wow, uh, and, and you're, you're lucky he was actually able to uh, get the file to you because there, there might even be an embargo of uh, their, their films going to the West. And he, he actually got a hold of me because his film was actually selected and he needed an invitation to be able to apply for a visa to come to Canada. If he didn't have a visa... Wow, he, wow. Yeah, if he didn't have that, that uh, invitation, he couldn't apply. Now, as that tells us... In Canada, would you have the same problems there in the U.S. when film festivals like that? I mean, as far as uh, being embargoed or, or hard or, or credit card problems? Yeah, did you face the same problems, credit card issues or anything like that with your film festival? I, I didn't face, um, we were talking earlier before we went on the air, uh, about the film festival that I started in, in 2001. Um, I didn't have 
anything like that. We did have all kinds of problems with one, uh, some filmmakers either getting their films made. Um, uh, you know, some filmmakers said that the, you know, their, their, their local government was preventing. They didn't want their film to be seen outside their country. Uh, I, I had to use like a, you know, government, local government to try to get them visas. A lot of them wanted to attend the film festival and couldn't. Uh, I mean, I mean, we, we had all kinds of problems. I, I had some problems with some, some films from China, you know, Russia, uh, just like uh, Rob did from, from Iran. Uh, but uh, never credit card problems, but other types of problems as far as uh, their countries not wanting the, the content you know, to, to be shown here. So, yeah, you, you, you can run into all kinds of uh, local political problems uh, in other countries and film festivals that are just, since we don't have them here, it's, it's something you don't even think about until you find you get a, a submission from another country and then you realize all the hoops they had to jump through just to even attempt to get it out. So, yeah, it's amazing. Gotcha. Now, Rob, um, I was going to ask you something. Um, well, Barry went on for so long with that answer. I've got my question now. Thanks, Barry. You're welcome. Well, Barry is right. Like you no. see, oh, go ahead, Sid. You go ahead, Bob. I was just going to say you do see cultural differences when you when you deal with film like this. One of the topics of one right. of the films coming in, like it, it made the cut, is called Under the Blade. It's from Iran, and it's about a woman director trying to film a rape scene in a movie and nobody will take part in it because of the political ramifications. Barry, you remember the film you had in one of the films you had in your film festival at Delatica where there was a bunch of naked German old women in, in, in the film? Remember, it was It was a film from the Czech Republic called Expulsion from Paradise. It was a feature, not, not a document, uh, documentary, and it all took place on a nudist colony. So everyone was nude. So, of course, uh, we always had a program you know, to tell everyone what the name of the film, what the country of origin, and obviously stuff, what type of um, content, since these are films they never heard of, if there was sex, violence, nudity. So we obviously put in you know, what this film was about, and there, there was going to be nudity, including children. Now, that did not mean any sex. There was no sex at all in the film. And the local newspaper, the Delonica Nugget, without you know, seeing the film, just saw our write-up in our program. They said that I need to be drummed out of town because I'm lowering the moral content of, of the town, and this is absolutely evil. And they actually called me the devil. And, of course, what they did was they actually helped sell out that screening for that film. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I was even there for that horrible film. <laughs> <laughs> it won the award. It won our best international feature award. That was horrible. Of course, you know, Barry, that was my introduction to independent films. And remember, I remember the first one you showed me, the one you did, uh, Deadbeat, to where it was. I thought that was the worst thing I'd ever seen in my life. Now I appreciate it after going to a few film festivals. And I actually made one myself. I did that documentary called The Promotion. Uh, right. Bob got, he didn't ask me to put it in his film festival. Oh, uh, <laughs> so, Rob? Uh, uh, anyway, guys, what's up? <laughs> actually let's talk about that Sid how was it like producing a documentary you know what I did that Rob because of the movie The Wrestler and everything in that movie is you know, things probably you can magnify 10 times or 100 times worse and you know worse things happen with that movie show but I wanted to show wrestling where you're handcuffed a little bit and that's what I said in that documentary that where you can't cuss and you know you can't you know um, you know can't bleed. It's, you know it's just hometown little 
guys was a butcher uh, Kroger and one was a truck driver and one was a you know just all walks of life but these guys showed up on Friday night and they transformed into these superheroes which you know I still enjoy going watching those old guys once in a while that would be fun I know I'm I... one of those old guys now <laughs> We used to, we have it around here. It's it's very rare anymore lately. It seems like, but I enjoy going to the the small auditoriums or the you know the halls and watching the independent wrestling because it's I a- do too because you, you get really surprised sometimes how you know how hard they work and how much you know effort they put into something that you know of course not, you know, exposes you guys don't get paid anything. You know, or very little, you know, five, ten, fifteen bucks, you know. Exactly. And not only that, you're playing to a different crowd because like when you guys were on the, the the grand stage as we call it, nobody can hear you in the ring. But when you're at these small shows, right. everybody in that auditorium can hear what's going on in that ring. So Right, exactly. You have to play to the crowd and you have to watch how you call things too. No, you do, you do. But uh yeah, I, I still what I compare it to is like like independent film, uh, you know, it's it's not it's not the big stage. It's like Broadway, not the big screen. And it's harder when you do it in front of fewer people or you know a smaller crowd. And, and that place has been there for the last 15, 20 years, and they've seen everything you can see and what they're allowed to do in a place like that. So it's fun to be handcuffed and say, "I've got to succeed at this tonight," but I can only do it to this level and have to do that. It's, to me, it's a challenge sometimes. So then, as a director, how was it doing that project? It was good. I had a good time. Uh, the guy helped me, Brandon Wallace. Uh, he did the editing for me and stuff like that. But um, it, the thing about it is, what amazed me was how much footage we got just for that 15 minutes. You know, that, you know, if we had gone over that 15 minutes, we would it would have been probably worse than it was. Now, not that it's a bad documentary, but I think it was a good little deal for it, just something locally. That's awesome. Yeah, I've watched it it's a couple not, times. It's not good enough to be in the chat on film festival. Well, you know. <laughs> um, no, it, it, it was actually a good film. Sid, one question. I mean, I've seen it and I like the film, but did you find that the first lesson I was told when I was starting to make you know, my first independent films was your favorite scene, the one you love, is probably going to be the one you have to cut because it's just not going to fit the narrative. Did, did, did you find that there was a scene of all that footage you took that says, wow, I really want this in the film, but it just didn't work? There was a bunch of them buried. Believe it or not, I was lucky to get Scott Hall to do some of these for me. He came and stayed with us for a little bit here with me and my family. And um, I didn't get enough of him. Uh, we went to Elvis's house and paid him going in and out. And some of that footage didn't come out. So there was a lot of stuff I wish I could have put in there. But I'm really happy with the 15 minutes I got, though. That is awesome. It's good, and it's an award-winning, isn't it? Yeah, I actually got an award in there. Nice. For Best Documentary. See, that's better than the Chatham Film uh, Festival. That's so much better. Well, this was the MILF. It was Melbourne International Film Festival. This was, God, about three or four years ago. Um, but it, um, it was run by a bunch of doctors who my Aunt Joyce, they used to sponsor that film festival. You know, they'd raise money for her age clinic there in Melbourne and then after she didn't need the money anymore you know she got grants and stuff um, but we still you know since she she had the connection she passed away but my uncle knew the people and they got me in the film festival and, and I got to actually do a Q&A as well which was pretty cool it was 
I hate to say this, but it was 10 times b- bigger than the one we had with John Waters and Barry in Dahlonega. And of course, it, this was a, this is, was, you know, a bunch of doctors that had money, had a big budget sort of film, but it was Iranian people too, I believe. And the guy in the lead role, that, the best movie that they had, he actually, I could see that he was missing a finger. <laughs> really? It's so weird how you notice things like that. <laughs> But they did like a ver- their version of like a James Bond movie, and they used Iranian people, you know. Well, that would be kind of cool. It was. It actually was. Uh, and I'll tell you the best film I saw, and I think I told you this, Rob, was a, I think it was 15-minute short, uh, documentary uh, short. It was with um, one of those Wilson brothers. Okay. It was called Satellite Beach. Oh. It was about, he was pretending that he was head chief director of taking the spatial the endeavor and taking it from satellite beach to, to Los Angeles where it's now in its final resting place. And uh, when they finally got to LA and was pulling the thing in there, the security ran him off. He talked to every news team like he was really part of everything going on. And you thought that until the end of the film, which I, again, I think it was a short, but you would really like that. If you guys get a chance to see that, you'd really like that. It is really good. That does something. But he's great. got the money to do something like that, you know? No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Barry, what kind of films did you appear, uh, look at for your festival? Oh, God. Uh, we, I mean, since we showed so many, I think where we mentioned before that I, that I would have five, no, four or five venues going, we never showed less than 180 films in, in four days. So we would get you know, between you know, seven to 100 to 1,000 submissions. And you would get, I mean, a lot of features, a lot of, I mean, everything, animation, uh, no, experimental films. Um, now my, my favorite things is uh, a couple of times in the years that I ran the film festival, we're getting films from, from the first time or second time filmmaker who are now incredibly famous today. Um, so, so one film we got from a New Zealand filmmaker called uh, uh, Two Cars, One Night. It was a, a 10 or 15 minute short film, black and white beautiful photography it all takes place in this parking lot where these two cars show up and both cars have kids in them and the adults are going off obviously for a trip in a motel and then the whole film just follows though these kids you know going in the cars and uh, the director is a uh, Waititi uh, the guy that uh, did uh, Thor Ragnarok seriously uh, so yeah so he I mean he's obviously gone to you know huge things he has a, a comedy coming out I think this uh, winter where uh, a, a young kid um, when he talks to his imaginary friend, who's Adolf Hitler, you know, and it's, and, and Hitler is actually played by you know, by Watiti. <laughs> so that, that that's I know it's kind of fun. Uh, we uh, had the first film uh, from a guy named Ben Zeitlin, and a few years ago he had a, a film called Beast of the Southern Wilds, you know that you know, that uh, got nominated for several Oscars. So, but but we we got everything. Uh, like I said, you know, features, comedies, animation, you no know, doc. I mean. And when you get nine, no, eight or nine hundred films, you're also you're going to get some of those incredible films you've ever seen, and some of the ones that you want to tell the filmmaker, you no, know, break your camera, never, ever, ever do this again. Uh, yes. Um, but that, that, that that's kind of the fun part of it is is because you you don't know what you're going to get, and just like you, we would get them from all over the world. And as you mentioned, you're you're going to see some 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 type of films and filmmaking that are culturally completely different than what we have here. I found that you know, Australian humor, they would have some of the funniest films. The humor is very, very different. 
So it, it was it, it was just a lot of fun. It's a lot of work to go through that many films, but it's fascinating because you have no idea you know, what you're getting, and it's so much fun to know to see films from different countries. Like as your first film festival, you get them from Turkey and Iran. Is you know, is, is that, you know that's amazing. I mean, it, it, it just shows you know, that somehow they found you besides that your festival is something that they want to send their works to. So I'm sure you found that cool too, like going through the films and having no idea what you're going to see, and then marveling at some and looking at others and saying, "Yeah, nope, never, don't ever do this again." I have to admit, it's kind of a refreshing <laughs> feeling because nowadays there's so many trailers on so many different movies. You 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 get a good idea of what you're going into. So these ones where it's literally nothing, you know nothing. It's kind of a refreshing take on film. Yeah, and, you know, and uh, very, go ahead. They tell him what was the lady's name that you started Deadbeat that went to do the yeah, Melissa McBride. Uh, this was back in '95. Uh, uh, I took a cinematography course at, at Atlanta School called Image, and she was, you know, a, you know a, a young actress who, you no, know, she had some decent credits, but nothing big. So she was the one that you know, did these did these things for the cinematography class. So I cast her in, in my in my second film, a short film called Deadbeats, you know, starring Mick Foley about uh, the worst job I ever had as a bill collector. So she, I, I cast her as, as the co-lead, and because she's now Carol in The Walking Dead, you know, that film has been pirated all over the world. There's websites set up to it because she's so big, uh, and I don't get a nickel of it because it's all pirated, and it's been reviewed. Uh, some people love it. It's, been, you know, it's funny to read you know, uh, reviews in German, translate, and find out how much they hated it. They <laughs> 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 but uh, no, that was, yeah, well, I mean, once again, at least at least people are seeing it. You know, it's had some reaction. I found out, you know, that every bill collection agency, you know, has has made it required viewing because how many films have ever been made about bill collectors? But, you know, right. that's just one little stroke of luck, like getting like you know Wakiti's you know first film at my film festival. Now he's a huge director. You know, casting her when she was you know twenty six, twenty seven, and now now she's you know, a massively big you know on a cult TV show, actually bigger than cult though. That's kind of cool. She doesn't return any of my emails or calls, but, you know, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You got me with that well, one. Well, internet, internet shit doesn't return your calls either, Barry, so it'll feel bad. Well, oh, no. Rob, what do you think? You, want, you got another question? Oh, man, I have got so many questions for this. Um, because, yeah, you're right, Barry. You're not only uh, a film festival organizer. You made film as well. And I know we briefly talked about you and Sid with that one film. What other projects have you worked on? Have, have I worked on? Yeah. Oh. Well, I, I've made, I've made you no know, six films. You know, one that had Sid in, uh, Sid in it, and I'm actually working on another film. Uh, I mean, Steve Joyner, the guy that brought us all together, you know, that recommended you, you know, to, you know, to Sid and I as far as doing the podcast. You know, he's also manages you know Eddie Deason, you know, the the nerdy actor that played Eugene in Greece and was in War Games. So. We came up with a, a film, though the type of films that, that I make and my uh, directing partner, Rick Smith, makes, which are films that are shot in five days with absolutely no script. And we want a, to do a film like that, you know, shot in Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh, with, with Sid and Eddie together, because how unnatural and odd you know, coupling would that be? I mean, Eddie is, you know, he's my age, he's 62, but he still looks and sounds, he's still that nerdy guy. He is. I mean, he'll always be that, because that wasn't, that, that wasn't typecasting, that's actually who he is. 
So put you know, Sid and Eddie together in, in New Mexico, Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is this odd, flaky, you know, weird, strange, wonderful you know, city. And in five days with those two there, you know, that, that should be, you know, and that'll be as independent as it gets because there's no, like the no scripts as whatever happens between the two and where we decide to shoot uh, is going to be. But um, I, I've also been a, a, an extra on two films, both of which have grossed over a hundred million. So I figure I'm, you know, I, I, I'm the lucky charm. So if there's any other you know, directors or casting agents listening to this, I, I'm two for two. And massively grossing films. You know, the first one was Sweet Home Alabama, you know, with with Reese Witherspoon, and the second one was with uh, Adam Sandler's uh, Grown Ups. Perfect. See, you're you're the connection. I'm the connection. Show, I'm, I'm the lucky charm. <laughs> that is awesome. So now, Sid, you said you were uh, actually Barry said you were involved with him with the festival. You went to see these. You mentioned before that you watched that one Czech film, and when you watched it, it's like, oh my God, what was I watching? But since you've you've come to appreciate films like that, what do you think changes in people when they start watching independent film? I think for me, what changed Rob is that it it made me more want to be like more more like a director. After I started watching independent films and going to independent film festivals. I would go to bed at night and I would just have, and I wouldn't know who they'd be. It'd be men and women. They would just be, it would just be scene after scene that would come to me. And it still happens every once in a while. I was be laying in bed and it'll, it'll, it'll be something I've seen that night, maybe. And it'll just be like a, like a, a reel in my head, just scene after scene. And I don't know who the people are, but I think it educated me and made me appreciate film better too. Um, when you see, you know, like you, you don't think on a film that, like location is a big deal, casting is a big deal, and for me, the soundtrack is a big deal. So now that I, after going to the first film festival day and and putting a film together myself, you see the like when I saw Barry's film the first time, I just didn't appreciate what it was. Now I do. It's more behind the scenes. You know what goes into creating. Right. Exactly. Like we said earlier, you know that fifteen minutes. I bet. Guys, I might have filmed, it seems like, six or eight weeks, you know, every Friday, Saturday night to get that 15 minutes. Wow. Yeah, documentaries are a tough, tough thing, because you're right. You, you film for days upon days just for 10 minutes of footage. Now, I got lucky on that. I ran across this kid named Brandon Wallace. He was uh, had gone to school to, you know, do film. He had the, the really good equipment. He was borrowing from this church. He was a, a youth minister at. And um, so he he do had you know he had like three cameras set up in different angles and it really that's why I come across so good and then we knew how to you know situate the people and we just came up with the questions asking people and then we threw it sort of threw it together you sort of see that but I think for fifteen minutes it's not too bad. So would you ever step into the director spot again? Do you think? I would. I'd like to do another one. Me and Barry are talking about doing one. We've talked. To, we've got one. We've been having, it was called, we got a title, it was called Give Me Father I've Sinned. And um, we had a really oh my God, good I idea. Oh, about one that. Time. We just, remember that? And now it's just sort of back on the back. Now I do. Remember that? So that's I, a, I, I do. And, and, and I remember, yeah, when I was talking to you about it, and, and once again, you started coming up just like I did as far as, okay, where would the camera be for this scene? You know, how, uh, right. what would be the motion of the camera? And, and, uh, Oh yeah, because that was that was my idea. It was just going to be you and you alone. 
Right. I can't believe I forgot about that because we were talking about for the longest time about doing that. Well, we might have to do that now. <laughs> you know, really why I sort of stole the idea a little bit from Rob is from that movie, uh, The Second Exorcist, where the guy, you know, changes characters. Okay. Uh, it goes back from the priest and back and forth. That's why I sort of got the uh, idea of giving me father out of sin. And me and Barry just started knocking around one day. I was actually doing a independent film in Gainesville with a guy named Ron McCullough. Ron McCullough? McClellan. Yeah, McClellan. And it's called Stranded. And uh, I stayed the weekend. I sometimes me and my wife would stay at Barry's house. And uh, we just started knocking this around one day. Man, it was sounding really good. And that, to me, that's fun. You know, uh, I would enjoy doing that. Like in the wrestling business, I enjoyed helping other people be successful. Because, and I'm not trying to brag. It was easy for me to be successful. I knew what to do. At, at, you know, at, at after you know, we talked about before. I was handheld into being taught what to do. And once I learned it, I knew it. I enjoyed helping other people achieve that as much as me achieving it. And that's awesome. Yeah, and that's why I like to do something like you said. I like to do another direct something again. Well, see, there you go, Barry. Now you you've got someone that can direct for you. Well, then, then maybe we should do you know, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned, and you and I'll produce you direct. There you go, <laughs> you, Sid. You, you're, there you're you go, star as well. So you'll be like a Glenn Eastwood. You'll you'll you'll, you'll direct uh, yourself in the film. This could be pretty interesting. Bob, so when's it, your film festival starts this weekend? Uh, yes, when we're recording right now, it's, what is this, October 22nd? Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. This actually will air after your film festival. Oh, yeah. No, but that's good. Like I said, we're, we're an annual thing now, so we'll be back next year. Well, good deal. Yes. And maybe next year we'll get you guys down here with a film that can be in the festival. Yeah, that would be cool, wouldn't cool. it, be? That would be cool. I, I, I was actually, uh, uh, one of my films was in a, a one-time festival. It, it had one year and then it ended. It was called the Toronto Slacker Film Festival. And um, I, my, my, I, I was, this is another Lake Smith film, but I didn't, I, I wasn't involved in producing. I was just the lead actor. And the Slacker Film Festival, just for that, it was about, you know, films about based off losers. And I won this Bacoli Award. And then after Jess Bacoli from um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High for being the biggest loser of all the films that they had. What was that film called? Uh, uh, that one was called Rick's Canoe. Rick's Canoe. With a title like that, how, Rick's did, Canoe. Like, how did it lose? How, how, did that, how did it get the title? Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the, without trying to you know, say about the whole movie, it's one of those movies that's hard to describe. It's, uh, I, 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 I arrived in Santa Fe you know, with a friend of mine, no job, no nothing, and often... A, a bunch of us guys are uh, going to this uh, therapy class, uh, uh, this, this group therapy with this uh, with this woman, and she gives us each a, a mantra, you know, to say after talking to each one of us one by one as far as stuff like that. She gives each one of us what she considers a mantra that if we say this over and over again, that'll everything will become clear. And my mantra was canoe. <laughs> so I mean, it, it was. It was Parts of it was, I mean, ridiculous, but purposely so. Now, the, the neat thing was uh, a famous character actor got to play my dad in this film, a guy named Val de Vargas. Uh, he was in virtually every 60s and 70s TV show, but he was also in the Orson Welles film, uh, Touch of Evil, which has the greatest uh, you know, single talking shot you know, to open the film. I mean, plus it's an Orson Welles film. Uh, you know, Janet Lee, you know, who next one after that was Psycho. 
Uh, he was in the film Hatari with John Wayne, and he was in the Magnificent Seven. So, you know, he played my dad, and in the very ending scene, once again, this is a, a no script, no film. So, you know, we, you know, the whole the last scene was uh, he and I at a restaurant in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and he's just totally destroying me. I mean, we talked briefly before the film, you know, give a few points of what my relationship with my real dad was like, and he used everything I told him, like, as a weapon. To just it, it was like, and everyone says, "Oh, this must have been very cathartic for you." I go, "No, <laughs> it was brutal." But that was the film because, like I said, I mean, if you know my eye, no, no, my my band that I arrived in is stolen. So everything can go wrong in my life is. So that's why I won the Slack the Spicoli Award, the first and last Toronto Slacker Film Festival. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, it is, man. Guys, thanks so much for this episode. Um, I think what we'll do now, if you don't mind, we'll get to a question and see what they've got to offer. Okay, let's do that. My time is yours. And now we have Chris on the line. Chris, where are you from? I'm from King George, Virginia. There we go. And what's your question for Sid? I want to know what he ever considered going back into the industry doing matches. Are well, you talking about independent matches? Yeah. Yeah, I think I have. And um. I really enjoy those, and um, to me, it's like going back, doing the matches in the small territories, and just give you an idea. Uh, last year, no year before, I got to do some shows with a company called um, World Class. The guys were taking over for the Bonnets kids there, Trevor uh, Bonnets, and they were in Wichita, Kansas. It was really a great show. That it was um, had a lot of people there. It was proud like you'd see. Again, back in the small territories, and you see that in these independent shows, and I do really enjoy doing those. And, uh, I do a lot up in New York, and I up going to New York um, in Philadelphia this week, this month, and so I do a couple autograph signings up there. But to answer your question, yeah, I would still do some. I haven't done it in a while. I did a, um, we did a, up in OCA, Arkansas, oh man, about two or three years ago. A lot of people who passed away in this area, a lot of these guys are never going to make it big. Um, I did a documentary, actually, where I have a scene that's called The Promotion, and it's about small town, small, you know, independent uh, shows. And we did a little deal there where some of the guys got to be inducted to the Hall of Fame. Some of the guys that passed away, we did a little uh, memorial deal. Then that's just like a, included them in a match, believe it or not, <laughs> where the ghost of OCO came out and, you know, talked me a couple times, which is, well, I'm fine doing that's what you get to do in these small independent things to make up stuff like that. Now, fine, but yeah, I love doing them. I hope I can still do a few once in a while, but uh, of course, yeah, I enjoy doing them and I want to try doing as long as I can. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot for the question, and uh, I guess that's it for our episode. You've been listening to the Vicious Circle Podcast, your host, Sid Udi, co host, J. Robert Bellamy. Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle podcast was produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Media, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music, Omega Amigo, was by The Shaman. All rights to the podcast are held by Sid Udi.